Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic. Found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Lavelle Crawford is best known for his portrayal of Huel, the bodyguard for Saul Goodman on Breaking Bad and now Better Call Saul. Originally from St. Louis, Crawford rose up the comedy ranks from Showtime at the Apollo to Comic View to Deaf Comedy Jam to runner-up on Season 5 of Last Comic Standing. He since has been seen multiple times as a panelist on Chelsea Lately and The Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore, and on the big screen in 2016 for both The Ridiculous Six and Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates. He provides a voice on Comedy Central's animated series Legends of Chamberlain Heights. And Lavelle headlines a summer 2017 stand-up theater tour called Comedy's Most Wanted. So let's get to it! So, Lavelle Crawford, last things first... uh Congrats on keeping the weight off. I know you, you lost it in 2016, and you still you're still looking spry. Hey man, hey hey, I want it back. I, I can't have it back. I mean, <laughs> that check engine light came on, man. I had to do something about it. You know, your check engine light come on if either it's a fuse or you about to fall out and die. Or something. You know? Well, I remember you were, you used to joke about the sugar. Yeah, I don't have that no more. You know, Congratulations. Yeah, blood sugar, it works good. I could eat a candy bar and it won't rise at all now. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, my dad has type 2 diabetes he developed mm-hmm. in middle age. Right. But that's all weight-based. Yeah, you yeah. lose the weight and exercise. Yeah, you know, if you get it in time, you know, mm-hmm. I guess I catch it in time because, like, if your pancreas gives up on you, you, you know, I guess you fuck, you know, but, you know. <laughs> But I, I think I got it in time, and you know I lost weight, and you know, blood pressure went down. The only time it go high is when I'm pissed. <laughs> so you know I felt 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 better than I felt in a long time. Well, I'll try to keep you in a good mood then. Oh, don't worry about that. You're coming through town. You're headlining Comedy's Most Wanted. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're the headliner, does that make you the most wanted of the most wanted? <laughs> We flip flop every once in a while. Okay. And uh, the other community called it Cold Headliner because he wants to have the same money as me, I guess. So uh, they do the favorite nation. So we flip flop the comedy. Okay. And uh, I guess uh, I. I, this is my week, which is good. In mm-hmm. New York, it's good to headline in New York. You can head it. We go to Little Rock tomorrow. You can be the star in Little Rock. <laughs> how did this? How did this particular tour come about? Uh, well. The AEG wanted they mm-hmm. wanted to book me, and then Corey Holcomb is a good friend of mine. I, you know, he was a younger comic than me, and I used to book my club all the time. We became friends. I used to book a club that he used to do all the time, and then we got cool. And he wanted to. He said, "Man, we need to go out on tour. They have all these other little tours, these you know, these uh, urban tours that they have. And they throw the same comics up." He said he don't really want to work with nobody but like me, you know, something like that. So it came to the be. And my manager at that time, before I fucking fired him, uh, he he had talked to these guys and mm-hmm. put this thing together, and and uh, we kicked it. It kicked off. I mean, it's doing pretty good. I just think that you know. 
I think they need to work a little harder on knowing what's in the town. You know, you come to New York, you got to know what else is going on. Jerry Seinfeld does a regular night over at the Beacon. Yeah. You know, I'm looking, I just looked this shit up myself. <laughs> you know, I'm like, Seinfeld's here like three nights a week? What the fuck are we doing here? Well, he lives in the neighborhood, so he just like walks over. Right. I hope he can come and stroll in on Urban <laughs> Nights. <laughs> I like to do a, like to do an episode of Comedians with Coffee in the Car. That would be fun. Yeah, I like to do that. We had to ride in some SUVs or something. Yeah. He always ride them little shitty ass cars. Him and Amy Schumer were in the shittiest Ferrari I ever seen in my life. It kept breaking down on him. I was like, oh. he likes those. He likes those small sporty cars. Yeah, he do. Yeah. No, you you just mentioned. I did not know this about you that you used to book a club. What? When and where was this? Well, I used to book. It wasn't a comedy club. I had, you know how you know you have those. You, bar and grills right, and where you have a like night that. yeah the night plus I had some army bases I used to do I was a promoter I promoted singing groups like Silk and uh, the other group called Intro nice old school know, army yeah, yeah yeah back in the day when they were hot you know <laughs> in the military bases yeah in the know, 90s you know, yeah I was making a lot of hustle money so this is the 90s you were doing this yeah yeah where all over the place military but Whiteman Air Force Air Force Base mm -hmm. and down in uh, Fort Leonard and then I had the comedians down there too I would bring them through and do big shows down there with the military, and then we did little nights all around the country. I was like the Suge Knight of the Midwest. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, ran a, I, I ran it with an iron fist, you know, comedy with an iron fist a little bit. I run that well, that's what I'm, I'm always curious about, curious about this part of your life, because I first met you 10 years ago, okay. 2007, in Aspen. Okay, yeah. When you were part of their, the HBO Festival, had their own sort of new faces. Mm -hmm. But you had already been around... Yeah. A while you were, yeah. I was shaking branches a long time, man. Before I you was, got that, yeah. I was a dinosaur, you know. I, you know, it's just one of them uncovered. You know, when I did the festival, you know, I was kind of more of a veteran than right. some of the guys. And I, and you know, when you're on the urban market, you get you going to do it under the radar for a long time. But even though when Def Jam came out, then it felt filtered off, and then you had Comic View and filtered off. And I, you know, and I started in the mainstream. I never really, I really didn't wasn't an urban comic. I was just a comic, you know, because I mm -hmm. did the Funny Bones all over the country. I was working doing every little, you know, little, you know, the comedy caravans and your comedy zones and stuff like that. And you were doing that and promoting and booking? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I was doing it all. Before I had a wife and kids, I was hustling hard in the thing before I had a wife and kids. So what what did you imagine your future was gonna be like? I don't know, man. I wanted I wanted What did to you dream about back then? Be Eddie Murphy. I wanted to be just like Eddie Murphy. Have mm -hmm. a leather a whole leather outfit on with no underwear on. <laughs> You know, just let my ball sweat real cool in, in, in the leather, you know, and just be cool on stage and be hot, you mm -hmm. know, and be the be the best thing out there. The red know? leather suit. Yeah, I, just, I, I wanted to be that rock star of the game, you know, but I just wanted to be, you know, respecting and have some TV shows and movies and stuff, you know, the whole gambit. I wanted it all, you know. And, and my, my life, my career then took the different fun turns, mm -hmm. fun twists and turns, you know. I, I like it because I'm I'm new I'm new and I'm not old to everybody I'm everybody growing up they're getting to know me so it's it's kind of good it's almost like I don't know like Pepsi I'm like Pepsi and Coca Cola I'm still you know able to be drank you know <laughs> even though it's fucking killing people. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, Pepsi is a little sweeter than Coke. Yeah. The, the sugar they use is a little bit sweeter. <laughs> but it's still Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> I tell my mom, I fucking drink. I ain't drinking soda in like almost eight years. Well, the last time I talked to you, speaking of your mom, was back in 2011 when your mm-hmm. special came out. Yeah. And you joked a lot about your mom in that special. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What was what did she think about your Eddie Murphy aspirations? Oh, my mom. Did, she, did she root for you, or did she say, "I want you to be a a dentist or an accountant or something else"? Man, I was the worst fucking student in the world, mm-hmm. man. So when it comes down to me being a dentist or doctor, I was, I, I don't think I would be good at it because I would get bored, you know. After a while, I I wouldn't like it. And uh, being a doctor, I wanted it at one time. Mm-hmm. I had aspiration thinking about the doctor, but you know, and I and I study a lot of things, but I just I don't think it's for me, you know. And then I don't like in being a, telling a joke and getting paid for is one thing, but when I'm helping someone not die. I just don't think you should get paid for it. If you got a skill to help someone live, you can't just like, well, you know, I'm a doctor, but here's my fee for saving you from fucking bleeding to death. Come on, man. Well, that's that's the whole essence of the healthcare debate in a yeah, nutshell. Right. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> How can you charge people to? Yeah, I mean, save their life. But but because the, the thing back in the day, when you know that, I, matter of fact, I, I do a T. I'm a radio host on uh, Tom Jordan Morning Show. I'm one of his uh, celebrity hosts Tuesdays mm-hmm. and Fridays. Just had the radio today, and he was talking about his grandfather was a doctor. He went to uh, Mount Harry, Mount Harry, Mount Harry, uh, whatever mm-hmm. college. And it was big, it was big back then. But he went to college. He became a doctor. He was a porter, but he didn't become a doctor until he was like 46. He had to do his residency at a small little bumfuck town. And back then, you know, back in the 1920s, you know, they, they, medicine was practice. Really, it was practice. Cause you had to, he told me, he, you know, you have urine samples, and he had to taste the fucking urine to find out what the fuck wrong with you. I'm like, Jesus. I'm like, I can see the bumps. I can see the bumps. I don't need to taste it to know you got some kind of infection. I don't need to taste it. They had to smell the shit. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're not eating enough fiber. You know, I don't know. I, I, I like that. Yeah, that, that, I don't know. You really wanted to be a doctor you know I guess so but that was hard it was but but he, he loved it so much because back then he worked with migrant workers he, mm-hmm. and all these poor people and they didn't have no money they paid them in vegetables and livestock and but you know they honored him you know what i'm saying he was a you know he was a doctor hell my son got a stomach problem probably gas but he he fucking give him some bacon soda he's the king for the day you know but but that was back in when you respected the doctor, and that's how the respect of the doctor came. But now he's some bitch. I'm a fucking doctor. I'm going to go play golf. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to cut your fucking uh, appendix out, and then I'm going about my business. That's going to be about $63,000. You know what I mean? And that's where the, the, the crap becomes, you know, when lives, when money is more important than lives, you know, and that's why I couldn't do it. I mean, no offense to doctors. I mean, hell, you deserve whatever you get. If you really are a great doctor, but if you're just fucking around walking with a white coat on and don't know what's going on, you know, because we need them. Right. I mean, you need doctors. So growing up in St. Louis in the 1980s, at what age did you decide comedy was going to be the thing and not something else? Uh, I guess I, I guess it took a turn for me. Because I used to listen to Richard Fry. I used to sneak in my uncle. I used to stay at my uncle's in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and listen okay. to all his albums and Richard Pryor's albums, and I could just see him putting pictures in people's heads. And when I was able to make 
people, the friends laugh and they would laugh hard. It got addictive. Like just making me and my sister would, would clown and joke about my mom's ex-boyfriends and, and just play around. And it just was so addictive to make people laugh. And, and I love to laugh and I almost piss on myself. And sometimes I would piss on myself just making people laugh, coming up with stuff. I got addicted back then before I even did stand up, but I didn't know other it was other black comedians besides Richard Pryor till I went to college and I saw because it was a lot of you know like white comics that could come through town but I didn't know nothing and then here Sinbad comes mm. and I met <laughs> I see Sinbad we brought Sinbad to our school and I and what I, school was this uh, Missouri Western State okay. College and um and I saw him on stage and I was just like oh my god I want to do this man I want to do this bad because I used to rap. I used to rap and I make jokes about people and okay. I make jokes about myself. I used to rap and be funny with my raps, but I, like you know, Bismarck here. Well, now no, I was better than him. <laughs> yeah, I was better than him because I was real clever with it mm -hmm. and I would think of stuff real quick and it was funny. It, okay. it was really funny, but it was like, and then I used to get talk about people bad. I used to could come up with some funny stuff. I had a great imagination because I can used to could draw. And I, you know, in my I had broke a finger where I couldn't draw like I used to. I hurt my hands where I couldn't make pictures no more. But I used to draw pictures in people's head. I started making up stuff. And I love cartoons. I love Three Stooges. I love sitcoms. And I love to laugh. And I love how they made people laugh. And I found my time. And, and I said, I want to do this stand-up comedy. But I never got into my... I had a friend who I who I like who she didn't like me, but she fucking thought I should do it because she wanted to see me fail. You know, okay. she wanted to see me fall on my first evil bitch. <laughs> and and she, she wanted to see me fall on my face. But she said, you should go to the comedy club and try it out. And I was going to community college. I wasn't doing shit with my life. And, and I thought about it. I said, I'm going to call. And I kept calling. I kept calling and never got on. Finally, they picked me to go on. And I was like, oh, shit, what am I going to talk about? And I just got up there. And that's when I found my niche then because I just got on stage and winged it. And, and it worked. And I was like, oh, my goodness, maybe I can do this. And I would go, next thing you know, I started being like one of the favorites out of nowhere, just started doing doing comedy. And I, would, I stole one little joke from Red Fox that I would do <laughs> because you had to find your timing. Back mm -hmm. when you're open mic, it don't fucking matter. Mm -hmm. But, you know, but once I started writing my own stuff and I did jokes about my mom back then, you know, and I did relative stuff that, that works for me. Because I, I believe a comic is only funny if you know what the fuck he's talking about. I don't get into politics. I'm not a, I'm not a smart, I'm not a dumb guy, but I'm not a guy that fucking jumps into politics. I have my theories on things, but my theories are out of the box. People, people you know, people ain't going to feel me on things I say because they don't know it. But then you go back and say, you know, that son of a bitch. He's not a fool. He's not, <laughs> I thought he was. Thought he was full of shit. But you know, he knew what he was talking about. Right. You know, because like my, you know, I've I've told my wife a few things about friends with her that I said them people in some other shit. And she, I don't know, man. You just, you just wanted. I was like, okay, I'm not gonna say no more. And then a friend came to her with a proposition, and she was like, holy shit, how did you know that? I said, man, come on, man. I've been around the fucking corner a few times, and I know people. Yeah. And I, you know, but I, but I watch. I'm very even if I'm just hanging Some out. Some people talk about that as street smarts, but it's also just being perceptive. Yeah, and, you and have instincts. instincts. Everybody has instincts that we just ignore. No, that's not a guy. He's a nice guy. That knife is for cleaning his teeth. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, man. 
Come on, I mean, even with like, you know, God forbid that terrible thing to happen yesterday when the people get got hit by that guy in the car. Oh yeah, now, that's now, First of all, I mean, he hit twenty six people. I mean, swear, I, that twenty six guy should have got the fuck out of the way. I don't give a fuck how fast that car going. When you see other people fucking flying, you know we can't fly, so you need to get the fuck out of the way. That twenty six. Well, there's people. there are so many people though. I don't want to speculate, but I'm about to. There's so many people who are glued into their cell phones that they're not paying attention. That's the truth. Now you got a point. Now <laughs> you can't kill a bunch of people and they don't even know they' about to die right now when they're in a car because they be on a damn phone or taking fucking pictures. They got their headphones yeah. on and staring at their phone. Now you got me there. I can't argue with that because <laughs> people are fucking dumb. I, they show so yeah. many videos of people on their phone getting hit by cars, looking down. Why are you not? What that phone ain't that important? Pardon me. I'm I'm sorry, man. I re- if I didn't have a wife and kids, I would throw my fucking phone in the river. <laughs> For real, you don't need to know where I'm at. These fucking phones don't never turn off, and they never work when you need them. I was just, I was just talking to my producer about this. I feel like we're the, we're about the same age, and I mm-hmm. feel like we're old enough to. I waited as long as possible before I even got a phone. Yeah, because I liked not <laughs> having people not calling I, me. I was the first one to have a cell phone on my street. Everybody thought I was dealing mm-hmm. dope, you know. But I just <laughs> just found a guy with a hookup, mm-hmm. and it only worked on, on Wednesdays because he had it all. Everybody lined it to one number. <laughs> And he was ripping everybody off. But I had I had this fucking phone. It would get burning hot on my ear. Uh-huh. I had to talk with him way back here. I was I probably was catching ear cancer and didn't even know. But I had a first phone, mm-hmm. but I just thought it was cool because of what it was. And I had a few burn. But I never. But back then, you, you couldn't track you. You you couldn't use it for right. nothing else. It was you just a phone. On. Yeah, it was just a damn phone. Hey, I'm I'm in the car. Well, come on out. Guess yeah. where I'm at? I'm in your backyard. You know that little bullshit. Right. And and that was all it was. But now you can do too much on it you can video chat you can talk you can look at porn it's just too much yeah. it ain't no no sneaky and like back, i remember back when porn was was fun because <laughs> you couldn't get it it was so you just get a little trailer of porn now you can just go on and watch so many i just like yeah man, there was a tree yeah there was a tree in my neighbor's backyard that had playboys yes yeah, hidden, hidden by the tree. That was fun because it was it was it was seedy. It was some your own little world, right. you know. Like 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 I, I, I'm an outdoorsman. I like to fish. Mm-hmm. Now these bastards got where you get got a fish finder where the fucking you can go and find the fish where he is. I mean, come on, man. It, I, it was, it's no honor in that. Yeah. He's already giving them some tricky bait. So when you were first starting out in comedy, let's bring it back to pre cell phone days. Mm-hmm. You couldn't. You didn't have social networking, so who were you just hanging out with? Who I know there's quite a few comedians who've come out of St. Louis, or yeah. any of those people that you hung out with back in the early days, or, or well, no? Well, I had had my crew, you know, like my I have a buddy named Roman Murray, and then like you know comics. I, I don't know, like St. Louis comics, like Mike Pace, Joe Malati, uh, you know. Uh, Dan Chopin, all these guys that I, you know, that were veterans they, that I looked up to, that they, they, they were doing their thing. Uh, what's his name? He passed away. Ron Ramey, uh, cats oh, yeah. like that, Cedric Entertainer. But Cedric and Kathleen Madigan, they were already out of the scene by the time you started? Or? Well, they went out of the scene, though. They was they was around, but mm-hmm. they were touring comics. Right. You know, and I and Kathleen gave me a lot of advice. Matter of fact, she the one got me on Last Comic Standing. <laughs> and that's my big sister, you know. Right, right. She's a little lady. She was my big sister she she and i love kathleen man i think she's probably one of the funniest female comedians that ever that never got really what she deserves i mean she does well but i think 
Kathleen just got to the point where she's eating, and that's all she needs to do. But I think that she should have been. But they they fuck over female comedians like Roseanne. She she was fucking a genius with business, and, and then how they you know shook the branch and right. she fell off. Brett Butler did a good, had made a good deal, and but like Kathleen, I thought she was amazing. You know, it's just like Wendy Wendy Lehman. I thought she had something that a lot of people didn't fucking have. But what happened? She's still working, but right. she's not working like she could have worked. You know what I'm saying? And like, you know, Amy Schumer, she's cool. You know, I knew her when she, you know, I, from last comic standing, and she blew up like right. a mega fucking megaphone, but she ain't hardly funny as fucking Kathleen. She's not hardly as funny as Wendy Lehman, even though she tried to steal her style. And I'm not going <laughs> to say anything about that. You, know, but. you also did uh, Reality Bites Back with Amy Schumer. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the Big Brother style. Yeah, 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 yeah. We was she was uh, when I was one of the bad guys. I was one of the you know the tribe that the sergeants you know that got you motivated. Yeah, yeah. but she was on there. Yeah, um, Momo Dell. Uh, who else was on there? Oh, Bert. Bert Brett was Bert Kreischer. Bert Kreischer. He's doing good. Yeah. Bert didn't find his own way. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you know you, when you were hustling, you were you were working the road as a comic, but then also promoting mm-hmm. bands and other comics. Mm-hmm. At what point were you able to stop being a promoter and just focus on your own career? Well, well I never stopped. You know, I just, you know, it's just... So you're still promoting now? You're booking? <laughs> no, no, no. You're more. not still booking no, now. No, no, no. I haven't done it, but, you know, sometimes people almost put me in. I, I had to do me, though. Right. I fired my manager uh, beginning of this year because he was fucking up. And he was stole money from me, so I fired him. And, I, I, and I, he got me. Like, yeah. yeah, man. I mean, th- this dude, was, he was like a brother to me. And in 15 years, I fired everybody else, you know, and kept him on. I said, man, we're a team. But he believed in the fucking hype. He, he was smoking, drinking, wasn't thinking. He was out there giving my, sorting my name by going out here, Fucking showing dick pics, doing the wiener, doing the senator wiener thing, showing dick pics to waitresses, being sexually harassing people. Uh, you know, he was a dick. You yeah. know, he, he he was just, he didn't even understand. And it's like, dude, you need to tell me everything that's going on. I'm letting you be, a, be, be you're not the leader. You're, you're going in, cause, you know, being a, a talent, being a talent, man, it's a bitch, you know, because you 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 don't want to be an asshole in the that in the, the business because these people they look at you oh man he's a fucking asshole because he's asking well he thinks he's supposed to get this money and then when people thinking like oh yeah he thinks he's worth this and then they talk to you this way hey, motherfucker I'm worth everything the Lavelle Crawford's worth everything to me right. if I'm up here I'm twenty I'm thirty years in the game I mean I don't want to talk to you because we shouldn't even have this one on one because you you're not going you you you're trying to be an ass but you calling me I'm not calling you but so that's how you had to have that 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 person in the middle but you had to have that person in the middle that loves you enough to not ever disrespect you. You know, by no means, and I bring everything to me, but he thought it was him. Either you got somebody that don't do nothing. He was hustling, but he he was thinking it was him, mm-hmm. you know, and I had to fucking fire him. And I showed him it wasn't him because as soon as I let him go, I called all my favors in, and all the club, club owners loved me anyway. And I turned, two weeks, I turned all the money that he tried to steal I, 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 I quadrupled that hmm. in, in two weeks. And then I just started booking my own self in the clubs all the way through. But I realized when you're talking to these promoters, 
a comic can't really talk to these promoters because these guys they come in with their fucking stories and and they I you know and I never we never really had a vocal relationship. Uh, you don't remember me, but I put money in your pocket. I, I don't give a fuck what you did. That money been gone. I spent that a long time ago. My son, he he didn't six years old. That was probably when he was four. Hell, he he wears another size clothes now. <laughs> <laughs> my wife my wife likes nice things. So mm-hmm. I'm not you. You're fucking. I don't give a fuck what is. And you but, lost weight, so you have to buy new clothes. Buy, oh yeah, I'm buy, I'm buy, but I can buy off the rack now. I can. <laughs> I go into Walmart. I buy like a billionaire. You know what I'm saying? Billionaire never go and buy from Gucci. The billionaire goes to Walmart and gets the rollback prices. I go in and I can fit nine ninety nine faded glory jeans now. I go get them now. I don't go and before you them. had to get custom tailored. Yeah, stuff, right? I had to get something. Oh, they got that in my size. Holy shit! Let yeah. me get three pair of them. And they sixty seventy dollars a piece. Now I can get some nine ninety nine jeans. I go and get them. And but. But yeah, but you know, so I, I went on and got an agency later on this mm-hmm. year, but I had already booked the, and the personal appearance as well. I, Hollywood is what I need agents for. See, when you've been in the game long enough, you know the clubs. I can eat forever. And that's why I told cops, as long as you don't burn your bridges with clubs, you can eat forever. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because as long as there's comedy club or even comedy spots, you can eat. And as long as you're viable, you can eat. Right. You that's like what you're saying about Kathleen Madigan. She's right. She's still working all the time, which oh, is, yeah. pays all the bills and then yeah, some. she's fine. You yeah. know, I mean, she's great. And you see, and, the, and that's the thing about it. A lot of these comics are still making seven figures, and you don't even know who they are. You know, and that's the amazing thing about this game. It's beautiful, is you can work as much as you want to fucking work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I've been doing I've been doing some strange things with comedy. You know, comedy clubs, I've been booking myself Sunday, Mondays, and Tuesdays. <laughs> yeah. I don't even do it. Sometimes I don't even do Fridays and Saturdays. Right. I'm doing Philly and at Helium. I'm doing Wednesday and Thursday and they're already adding shows. Wow. Yeah, so I don't I don't you know that's the thing, you know what I'm saying? That's the party. You can be and, like a regular person and, who and, happens to be a comedian, sure, work Monday through Friday sure. and then have the weekends off. Yeah, you know, I didn't I didn't do some innovative stuff. Really not innovative, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like things that comments don't think of, like, oh, we got to be Fridays and Saturdays. Right. I can't have my Saturdays off if I want to. And, and just because comedy clubs are open on days, and they hell, they'd rather do that than work the Saturdays, too. And then they can have somebody, and they can pay for the room. They can pay all their bills on the Mondays. And they love that. You know, I fucking, and, and it's a beautiful thing, and, you know. And I, and and the, and that's the whole aspect of the PAs. You know, I, I know how to, I can talk to the club managers. Hey, we got a week over here. We got this over there. What do you want to do? And it's simple, you know. And that's why I said when I fired my manager, I, I you know, get out of here, dude. And now I got an agency, and they want to do the per PA. See, and a lot of these agencies, that's all they want to live for is eat off your fucking, I don't need you to do that, dude. I mean, unless you get like I'm going to Ahmed Jordan, mm-hmm. I'm going in the Middle East, which I'm worried about it. Donald Trump fucking it up over yeah. there. Man. I don't know, but I I'm a black U.S. citizen, so they feel sorry for me. All this black lives matter shit. They say, you sure you want to go back? We can keep you <laughs> if you want to stay. You know? I don't know it's kind of hot there. Yeah, it's hot everywhere. Man, it's hot. it was hot as shit when I got to New York. Yesterday. Yeah, I was like, damn. And then the shuttle didn't have air conditioning. <laughs> Thank you for having it in this room because I walked in, I was afraid. I was, I was going heat stroke up in here. You know, you mentioned you mentioned Hollywood, and for for someone who doesn't have a lot of Hollywood credits, you have one of the best ones. Yeah, with Breaking Bad. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and now they they called you back for Better Call Saul. Yeah, were you sweating it, waiting waiting a few years to find out if they would have you back? No, 
I don't care. I don't, I, I loved it. I was yeah. excited. I can't. You can't put. I can't put my brain on it. You know what I'm saying? Because if you do, you get you get caught up. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I, I realized You're like that, where's like, Hugh? Hugh should be there. Yeah, I was the agree, but but see the <laughs> thing about it was you know when me and Bob Odekirk was on Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. you know we were between breaks and bullshitting. He was like, you know, they're talking about doing a spinoff. Would you would you, would you want to be? Would you interest? I said, Fuck mm-hmm. yeah, man! I wish I could have been in the beginning of this shit where the checks would be regular rerug. I get nice checks, residual checks, mm-hmm. but it would have been nice to be working on a show regularly for for a few like like what like eight seasons, right. man. Beautiful, like like Walking Dead. I'd have loved to be. I wonder if there a regular zombie on there that <laughs> that just that's like oh there's go Acorn, oh Acorn still hanging in there down to a skeleton torso and. Shit. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, like there's still a in, chance. Uh, yeah, you could get on there. Yeah, you know, I lost a little weight now because <laughs> I, I realize ain't no fat zombies. Right. You know, you can't be too. Uh, your zombies are in great shape. They run pretty fast. <laughs> they they got to hustle for their meal. Right. You know, they're angry. They angry bunch. Right. You, you know? got to get the scraps. Yeah, you got to get. You got to. You eating brain, man. You right. got to keep your teeth up too. <laughs> you know, how you gonna bite through a skull, man? You, know. you get to have one of my favorite scenes in Breaking Bad, though, with uh, with a fellow comedian, Bill Burr. Okay. Where uh, you guys are staring at a big pile of cash. <laughs> and just yeah. lay down. And- I knew when they did that scene, I knew that was going to be shit. You know, I, I just said, oh, this is this is my fucking moment. Yeah. That was my moment, man. I knew me and Bill was looking. We Because the scene starts out so cool because we're walking down the hallway in this corridor, and I got my hand out and showing my nifty hand skills where I'm opening up the uh, lock-picking case with my hand, and it showed me flicking and getting the skeleton <laughs> key out, and I'm going up to the door and bam, you know, open it up like it's no problem. <laughs> fucking, what's this, a bullshit master lock 360? Pulling through it all, and then all this money, and then I'm looking and weighing the shit up like, wow, you know. And I, and when they said we're gonna lay on the cash, I said, oh, they killing it. This, this <laughs> is it, man. I mean, where it's a hot show, most watched show, and then we lay on money. Yeah. I mean, and that's the biggest meme out there. Me laying on that money. I mean. <laughs> People, people, it was just yeah. like, and people, like, what about real money? I was like, what, they really fucking have real money, man, around my ass and what I was getting paid. And I would have fucking, I would have robbed that bitch. I would have, <laughs> I, I would have robbed that bitch. They, me and my cousin, cousin hey, uh, hey, Linda, where, where you at right now? Right. Hey, come on down and get your truck. We going to steal this shit. I don't <laughs> care what we got to do. All that money, see, they would have never did that. That money would have been gone. All those meth is in, in New Mexico. That money yeah. been gone, but but it was fun. It was the greatest, man. And when when they called me back, you know, they had called me before when they was doing like like season one, mm-hmm. and they said they had people out there with their signs like "Free Hugh, Free right. Hugh." People was loving Hugh, man, right? Because you were just kind of left dangling, yeah. In Breaking Bad. Yeah, and I think the people wanted to see what, what happened. Yeah, how? Well, how, you did make a video, a funny video about what I happened. didn't make it. Somebody else did that right. shit. Yeah, that had nothing to do with it. Some somebody <laughs> took that and just made a long ass me sitting in the. <laughs> It was. They said they shit played for hours to just be sitting there, just like, <laughs> just sitting there. And that was my Sydney Portier. I always called that my Sydney Portier because that was the most lines I ever had in the show. Where I, I told them that I squealed on uh, Walter White. Yeah. You know, they called me a snitch. I don't give a fuck, man. They showed uh, Aaron Paul's head blown off. You think I'm gonna sit up here? I didn't get none of the damn money. <laughs> 
Give me a break, man. Things worked out pretty well for you, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought I, I, you know, I got a, I, you know, I got a few credits out of it. It was like opening up the door. I got to do a movie with Christian Stewart, man, which a, which was a hot movie. I thought it was great. Jesse Eisenberg with the uh, American Ultra. Uh, you know, I, I did. Uh, uh, Mike and Dave, Mike and Dave and wedding and dates. dates, and then Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler's got ridiculous to be my sex. hero, which even one of my heroes. I hear a lot of people shit on him all the yeah. time, <laughs> and I'm like, man, this motherfucker did like seventy movies. What the fuck you doing? It was a guy who was a waiter at a restaurant. You know, I went, well, you know what? Go get me some more nachos, because that's what the fuck you doing right now. Don't disrespect somebody, man. Because I mean, this game is is hard, man. Yeah, you know, this ain't this ain't no easy win. Well, some, something I like to ask most of my guests um, before I wrap up is, mm. is like, who's given them some great advice? I know you mentioned Kathleen Madigan gave you great advice in the beginning. Did Adam Sandler give you any advice when you were talking to him on? No, he didn't give me advice, but or any of the his, other guys his, his actions, uh-huh. his actions were, were the advice. I mean, he took care of his family. He was a family man, and he took care of his friends. And, I mean, he treated you like you were you were important. You know what I'm saying? I mean, spoiled the shit out of me, man. I mean, you know, hell, I mean, it wasn't like, oh, David Spade gets this, uh, Rob Snyder get this, uh, you know, Terry Crews get this, oh, and you got to stay over here. Mm-hmm. No, we all had suites. We can rent cars without even have to pay for it. We all got chunks of per diem. Made sure we was taken care of in every way we possibly could. And he talked to all of us. Whenever you, I could walk right up to him and talk to him. You know what I'm saying? That's that's a standard guy worth three hundred something fucking million dollars, and I'm talking to him. You know what I mean? So, so in that aspect, he taught me a lot. Uh, Jamie Foxx taught me some things, you know, because he said on the plane with me, this is after this son of a bitch had won Oscars. He's sitting in first class right next to me. Mm-hmm. Nobody even recognized it was him. I don't know if they recognized it was him. It was weird. It was so weird, and I know it was Jamie Foxx. I've been around Jamie Foxx several times. <laughs> I've been on his show on the Foxhole. I know that you was did La Palooza. Yeah, we worked together before. I know him. Yeah. And so, it, and so I don't understand how he was walking through, went to the bathroom, and I was like, man, you all by yourself, man. What's going on? He said, hey, man, sometimes you got to downsize. And I thought about that. I said, wow, these son bitches have a bunch of entourage and yeah. all these people riding around with him. And he... He was just normal, you know. And usually, when you he ride first class and you're a celebrity, they always get you off the plane and and let you off. Right, they'll have somebody pick you up yeah. and drive you around, so you won't have to go through the crowd. He went through the crowd, and I know there was Jamie Foxx. I don't give a fuck. Who, I, I'm not fooling myself. I'm not high. I'm not an idiot. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when we talked, and I was just like, "Well, man, you know," I, I said, "Man, you taught me a lot today. You know, you taught me, and that, that taught me something. You know." And then Rudy Ray Moore. I mean, you know, Dolomite back Dolomite, in the day yeah. say, "You know, he always said, use what you got. Use what you got." You know, that's what he always told me. Use everything you got. Don't don't let every part of you is is comedy. You know, make it yours. And that, and that, and that's real. You know, because a lot of comics really try to be well, more of a. No, you're not. You're a fucking you. You came out of your mama's vagina, your daddy's penis. Yes, you're from that family. You're not mm-hmm. from Seinfeld's family. You're not from Bill Burr's family. Which Bill Burr one of my favorite comedians, and he used to open up for me. And I love watching Bill Burr. And I, I said, you're not, you're not nobody but 
who you are. And you got if you want to be a comic, you got to find out who the hell you are, whatever that is, whatever makes you funny. The shit that you ain't trying to be funny, you know what I'm saying? When you ain't trying to be funny and that making people laugh, that's you. Is that what you tell the young bucks who are coming up now? I don't really tell them shit because... <laughs> I think you know. I don't want to wreck their brain because you know, you know, young people nowadays they they're on an easy fix. These fucking internet comics right. and shit, and these guys don't even understand, man. It's another world when you get up on that stage. And what if what happens when it get quiet? What happens? Because see, you doing them videos and shit. You know, you don't know who like, and you getting all these fucking likes. And people like shit because they're on. Oh, I'm be on Facebook. Right. You got a ninety year old old lady. She don't even know if she pressed the like button. <laughs> the real deal is when you get on that damn stage when it's organic. You know, I, I love Pete Holmes' new show. That he got crashing. crashing. Yeah, I think that's great. That's a great show because I always, I want. They don't never show that. They don't. People don't understand. Hollywood don't even give a fuck about comics because they don't realize we're the ones making your shit money. You, comics are making the money. You don't see nobody else fucking. Uh, Seinfeld was prolific. You know what I'm saying? So uh, you think about everything that you had on Kevin James, from Kevin James to all these guys, Billy Gardell with his show. All these shows are hot. They all in their comics. Right. And if you don't understand, hell, look at Dennis Leary. His, his show was like a slash drama, and then he do sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah. You know, and I mean, the thing about it, these guys doing things. You know, Donald Glover, stand-up comedian, Atlanta, fucking won a Golden Globe. That's a great show. Yeah, come on, yeah. uh, Bob Odenkirk, comedian, fucking Better Call Saul. Come on, man. You think about it. You don't. You don't want to dive into that world and find out what really. Oh, they just get up stage and tell a joke. No, motherfucker. We going in. We get almost losing our whole family. We losing our wives because she don't understand our girlfriend, mom, talking about you ain't gonna make it in this shit. You know. But Pete Holmes, I'm glad he showed that his mom ain't fucking supporting him. His girlfriend, <laughs> his fucking wife, 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 fucked around a yeah. Christian wife. He's he, he yeah. trying to keep. And I like it that he he shows his Christian. <laughs> Side, which is really good because yeah. I'm a Christian and I, mean, I respect that even though I cuss a lot but I respect what he what he's showing because really a lot of these guys that come into New York they're babies they're lambs and they come out to this some bitch they don't know that these motherfuckers will eat you alive yeah. Los Angeles is worse than New York because you be thinking New York is like dirty but New York is honest these guys are assholes off the front <laughs> And they really not really assholes. You get in this fucking traffic, it'll make your ass lose your mind. It's only like 40 city blocks. It ain't even really that damn big. You right. lose your fucking mind. <laughs> you know, that's why these guys go crazy in New York. But L.A., the traffic on the highway is traffic for no fucking reason. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. Where are y'all going? We stuck from last night. You know, how is this bullshit going on in L.A.? And then you get up there, you got these bullshit auditions of these summer bitches. And I tell you, you get, you know, you get it in New York, but L.A., they really fucking fuck with you, man. I mean, at least you got the clubs here. See, one thing about New York, you still have comedy clubs. L.A. got a couple of comedy. They got the comedy club, but it's not like here. Mm -hmm. You can eat here off the comedy club. You can get $150 a night. Yeah. You can't do that in L.A. Hell, you get you get a drink, maybe a Pop-Tart. <laughs> That's it. And then you get bumped by Dave Chappelle. Oh, Chappelle's here! Fuck you, man. <laughs> Fuck you, Chappelle. I'm a watch, though. <laughs> Gotta watch. <laughs> Gotta fucking watch. Yeah, Stand over there if you're gonna watch by the toilet. Take tickets. 
<laughs> Gotta take tickets. <laughs> well, Val, I will. I will always gladly stand and watch anytime you're on stage. Thanks, so man. I, I thank you for for coming here and sitting down with me. Thank you, man. Really appreciate it. I'm glad you got me in, man. I'm glad. Sorry, I was a little late. Uh, the Uber, I, uh, damn Uber, usually had it together. This is something I use the Uber X. You got to go that. You got to go SUV if you want to get a ride. The X guys don't fucking make it. They don't mm-hmm. ever make it. Guy went, he went around, both turned into, from nine minutes, turned into 14 minutes. I guess you couldn't find it. <laughs> oh, his car went started. Sorry, Uber. <laughs> Sorry, Uber. I'm not putting you down, but, you know, some of your, your employees <laughs> fucking up. Thanks again, Lavelle. Thank you, man. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks first.